0: Dr. Michael Yusuf introducing you to four faithful and faith-filled friends.
1: These four people knew that only Jesus could meet their friend's desperate need, and that is why they would not allow a crowd to hinder them. They would not allow perplexity of the situation to deter them. They would not allow anything to come in their way, and not even the personal sacrifice. I found myself praying, Lord, give me that faith.
0: Thanks for joining Dr. Michael Youssef for Leading the Way as we begin 2023. In the pages of John's Gospel, we read about four friends hoisting their disabled friend onto a roof, then breaking through that same roof and lowering their friend to the feet of Jesus, because they knew that Jesus was the only way to bring their friend healing. How far would you go to get someone to the feet of Jesus? Stop what you're doing and listen to a challenging message from Dr. Yusuf in part one of his series to launch into 2023 on leading the way, called Look Who Moved Out.
1: There are a lot of ways we can express our love. To sacrifice in order to help somebody get good education is wonderful. To sacrifice so that someone will have the necessities of life, it's terrific but to sacrifice so that someone become eternally saved and have a different destination eternally from where they're going now is the greatest sacrifice of all. This is not my idea, it's Jesus' idea. And I want you to turn with me, please, to Mark chapter 2 as we begin this new series, beginning at verse 1, Mark 2, 1 to 12. I try to imagine this scenario and try to just put my arms around it. And, and, you know, if you grew up in a culture like I did with masses of people, you will have a glimpse of what that means. If you have never been in a mob scene, you may not be able to put your arm around this. If you've never been caught in the middle of a, a mass of humanity and bodies everywhere, you will not get your arms around this, but I'll try to make it as easy as possible for you, because I know when I was a boy one time, I got caught in one of those masses of people and almost was trampled underfoot. And if you ever got jammed in the subway, you will probably get a glimpse of what that means when you can't breathe. Now, that is the scene in a smaller way in Mark chapter 2 here. The situation in Capernaum was wall-to-wall with people. There were not even enough room for one body to go through the crowd. Not even outside the house, let alone inside the house. But then there were four friends who not only needed to cram their bodies within those masses of people, they needed to take a stretcher with them where they're carrying their friend into the house. Their friend, obviously, is a quadriplegic because he was on a stretcher. Normally, a paraplegic would be carried by two people face-to-face, and even in places where there are no wheelchairs, they still do that for paraplegics. So this man must have been a quadriplegic. That is why he's on a stretcher. The scene was so discouraging, to say the least, to all those four friends. No one would budge and make room for them. Uh, they all came for Jesus to meet their needs, and they're not about to leave their space and sacrifice their place. This was a wall of humanity that is imperitable, though a wall of humanity was immovable. That wall of humanity was rock solid. But these four friends made the decision to move out. They were going to move out of their comfort zone in order to bring their friend to the feet of Jesus, and nothing was going to stop them. Theirs was not a half-hearted commitment. Their commitment was binding. Their commitment was unwavering. Their commitment was immovable. Their dedication was not fleeting and was not momentarily. It was not just for a period of time. It was day in and day out, week in and week out. And if anybody needed or can have a a good excuse to give up and just say, well, we gave it our best, those four have every excuse in the book. They could have said, well, man, we gave it the old college try and it did not work. Uh, We did our best, but we failed. We went the distance, but it's not working. Uh, We might try another time. Uh, we have taken so much time of our business schedule, and we cannot take any more time out of work. We did all that we could, and it's impossible. We couldn't do it. Oh, then there is the old, big, uh, pious uh, excuse. It might not be the will of God. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's not God's timing. Maybe just it's the wrong time in the wrong place. Beloved, let me tell you something, and I'm confessing to you, I have given up at times for lesser obstacles i know i have given up on some things too early too soon i know that i have prayed for things that i knew was consistent with the will of god consistent with the word of god they were consistent with the character of god they were consistent with my knowledge of god and yet when my prayers were not answered quickly i gave up praying and when God later on answered my prayer, I sat in a puddle of tears out of shame and embarrassment before God, not people, but before God that I gave up too soon. I tried to lead someone to Christ, and when that person would not come to Christ, I gave up praying for that person. A long time later, that person came to Christ. Meanwhile, I came across the biography of George Mueller. And that man's life has become a rebuke for me. He was a man of faith. He trusted God. He prayed for supernatural miracles and they happened quickly and fast, but they're not all that way. He had prayed for some people to come to Christ for 23 years. I couldn't persist for 23 days. So I began to learn persistence in prayer from George Mueller. I began to learn to persist in effort. I began to learn to persist in the face of unbendable obstacles. Well, I was trying to look at these four men and learn from them. In fact, if you look at the passage in the Scripture, the Bible doesn't give us a great deal of information about them. We don't have a great a lot of knowledge about who they are. We don't know their names. We don't know their professions. We don't know where they came from. We don't know what uh, family background they had. They, we don't know the level of their education. We, we, we don't know what their biblical knowledge was like. Ah, but we know two things, and they all come from the, what we see here in the text. First, they had undaunted faith in Jesus. And secondly, they had an irrepressible commitment to their friend's deliverance. They had an undaunted faith in Jesus. They knew that only Jesus could save their friend. They knew that only Jesus can answer their dilemma. Only Jesus could give their friend what no one else could give him. Only Jesus could heal the body and heal the soul. Only Jesus could perform the real miracle that they needed. Only Jesus could touch the physical and the spiritual infirmities and make him whole. Only Jesus could give him the peace of mind that he was searching for. And that is why they persisted. And that is why they would not allow difficulties to stop them. They would not allow the crowd to hinder them. They would not allow perplexity of the situation to deter them. They would not allow anything to come in their way, and not even the personal sacrifice. I found myself praying, Lord, give me that faith. These four friends climbed the roof of the house. They dug a hole in the roof, and they lowered their friend all the way down in front of Jesus. Now, just in case some of you kind of get distracted and say, you know, man, did they get jackhammers? Did did they dig the roof? Let me explain to you. Roofs back then were not hard to break into. They were just basically flat beams that are every three feet, and and then uh, some... uh, palm branches and a thin layer of clay so they can fix it very quickly <laughs> but that's not the issue the issue here is their persistence in faith look at verse 5 says seeing their faith jesus seeing their faith jesus seeing their faith jesus said son your sins are forgiven We don't know much about the faith of the man who is paralyzed. We don't know much about it. He could have had the greatest faith of all. We don't know. Jesus did not refer to his faith. He referred to their faith. Seeing their faith. Don't miss it. For when you try to introduce someone to Jesus, when you try to bring someone to the feet of Jesus... They may not know much about the Bible. They may not know much about faith. They may not be able to articulate their desperate need for forgiveness and release from guilt and that burning in their minds. They may not be able to comprehend how, why, and only Jesus can forgive sins. But that doesn't matter. God is seeing your faith. God is seeing your commitment. God is seeing your desire to see the person saved. God honors your desire for their forgiveness. And God responds to you by taking steps to honor your faith. They had an undaunted faith in Jesus. Secondly, they had an irrepressible commitment to save their friend. I think most of us would say we have, if you know the Lord... An irrepressible desire to see family members saved, a spouse saved, a dear friend saved, a co-worker saved, and that's where you start. That's where you begin. That's where you need to start. But if you are like me, now your family saved and your co-worker saved, what do you do? You sit in your blessed assurance and say, "Well, I'm saved. My family's saved. My co-worker's saved. So I don't need to do anything." No that is not at all consistent with those who belong to Christ. Your faith in Jesus, then, must be exercised on behalf of whomever the Lord brings your way. These four people did not just want their friend to be healed, they wanted him to be eternally saved. And that is why Jesus said to the man, your sins are forgiven. These friends knew that Jesus is the only one who can forgive sins. Sadly, today there are so many church-going people who don't know who Jesus is. They think they do, but they don't. They live their life as if they don't. There are so many people who are preaching Jesus in church pulpits, but they don't know who Jesus is. They think they do, but they're preaching the wrong Jesus. And that is why they preach and teach that Christians and Muslims and Buddhists and everybody worship the same God. And my answer is categorically, absolutely not. Our God is fully revealed Himself in Jesus. Theirs is not. Our God allows us to know Him personally. Theirs does not. Our God is a knowable God. Theirs is not. Our God reveals Himself to us in His Word, but theirs does not. Our God indwells us by His Holy Spirit, but theirs does not. I believe in knowledge. I think knowledge is very important. I know there's some, you know, time in the past where Christians kind of always attacked knowledge and studies and and so forth. I'm not. (laughs) Knowledge is wonderful because knowledge will always, if a person is sincere, it will lead to the truth. In fact, knowledge of God for us, the Christian believers, is the ladder upon which faith climbs. Knowledge of God is the springboard from which faith can leap forward and onward. And that is why we're not afraid to know our God like they are. These friends would not bring their needy friend to just any old rabbi, any old teacher. No, they brought him to God's Messiah. They brought Him to the only one who can heal the body and the spirit and the soul. Our faith is built on nothing less than knowing that without a shadow of doubt, Jesus and Jesus alone can eternally save, that Jesus and Jesus alone can forgive our sins, that Jesus and Jesus alone can redeem us from the pit of hell. And that is why these four friends committed to introducing their friend, to the only one who's trustworthy, the only one who's God of very God, become man of very man, and Jesus did the rest. <laughs> faith in Jesus honors God. Love for people moves God. And Jesus, seeing their faith, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> and you notice the Bible said that these merchants of religion who's sitting there, I promise you, if I was there, I'd probably be one of them. So I'm not condemning anybody. <laughs> who's, who does he think he is? Forgive sins. Of course. You see, it's never changed, has it? If I was a spectator there, if I was watching there, I would say, man, do not you heal him first? Then you can save his soul. Why don't you get him up on his feet first? Before you can tell him that he needs to be saved and he needs to be forgiven. Oh, but listen, that might be my priority. It's not the priority of Jesus. And thank God. Jesus placed the priority where it belongs. Jesus knew that eternity is a long, long, long time. And Jesus is saying, this is the most important thing of all. Jesus is saying that removing the sting of death first, that removing the stain of sin first, that removing the pain of guilt first, that Jesus is cleansing the spirit first, that Jesus is releasing this man's restless conscience first, Jesus is bringing this man's soul to rest first, Jesus was assuring this man of his eternity in heaven first, then the rest is going to follow. Listen, I'm not minimizing healing. Please understand, I am a great believer in the healing of the Lord. I intercede every single day for people for healing in this place and elsewhere. I am not minimizing that. Don't misunderstand me. But Jesus is saying the greatest expression of love for someone, whether it be a family member or be a neighbor or be a coworker, is to bring them to the feet of Jesus. <laughs> and He will do the rest. It's not about you trying to convert people. It's not about you trying to get a course in evangelism. It's not about this. It's not about that. It's you bring them to Jesus, and He will do the rest. That's all that we're called to do. You and I cannot convert them to Christ. You and I can never change their lives. You and I can never change their eternal destiny. You and I cannot force them to receive Christ's forgiveness. can do it. Only bring him to Jesus, and he will do the rest. We can persist in praying for them. We can refuse to give up on them. We can try every possible avenue to reveal Jesus to them, not only in words but in deeds and in our lives. Having undaunted faith, having irrepressible commitment, is what honors the Lord the most. When God places a person in your life, it is your faith in Jesus and caring for them is what will bring about the miracle. It really will. And you know, the ramification of what God can and will do in these situations, sometimes incalculable. And that's why I want to tell you this story as I conclude, because it's a story of a man, a godly man, caring for his friend who, if he had any faith at all, was not much to write home about. And as a result, millions of people being blessed. It's a story of a hymn, a beloved hymn. I grew up singing it as a boy. It's in many languages around the world. But it began with this gifted musician by the name of Joseph P. Webster. While he was a brilliant musician, he used to suffer a great deal from depression. Not clinical, chemical, but just emotional depression. Down and discouraged all the time. And and sees things so black and dark. And, And often, my beloved friends, listen to me. When we get down and stay down in those conditions, it's because our faith is very low. That we don't believe that God will do what He promised to do. And so on one occasion when... He was really down, in a very melancholy mood. He received a visit from a close Christian acquaintance, a writer of hymns. Now, this guy's a musician, writes tunes. But this friend, by the name of Fillmore Bennett, was a writer of words, lyrics. Bennett had constantly prayed for his friends He have constantly interceded for his friends. He constantly tried to encourage his friends. But knowing that he needed something to lift his friend up from this grave and and tomb of depression, to bring healing to his sagging spirit, he knew that his friend is such a gifted tune writer and, and composer. Bennett came to see him. And when he saw his condition, he pinned down poetry in order to get him to think beyond himself, away from his depression. In fact, during that visit to Joseph, Bennett asked him, he said, How are you feeling? And the man, like most people when they're down, he said, Well, I'll be all right in the by and by. Bennett exclaimed aloud, he said, I know that's true. He said, Trials can generate great glory for us in the sweet by and by. Inspired by his sick friend, he started writing the following verses. And as Joseph hears those verses, he gets a spark in his eye and a spring in his step and almost immediately was lifted up completely from the grave of depression to a new height. And when Joseph heard the words that Bennett had written, he immediately reached for his violin and he began to play the melody of what later become a beloved hymn in the sweet by and by. There is a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. For the Father awaits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. We shall sing on the beautiful shore the melodious song of the blessed. And our spirits... Shall sorrow no more, not a sigh, for the blessings of rest. One man had an undauntable faith in Jesus, irrepressible commitment to his friend. Both together blessed millions of people around the world. You never know what caring for an individual and reaching out and bringing him to Christ will do when there was a a very timid Sunday school teacher decided to visit the boys in his class. He came to one boy who worked in a shoe store by the age of 15, and he hesitated. Should I go in, should I not, should I go in? Finally, he goes into the store. You never heard of him. And he leads 15-year-old boy named D.O. Moody, who rocked two continents for Christ. Think of God's economy, not yours. And if you do one thing this year that will be worthy of all of eternity, we say, Lord, give me undauntable faith. Give me irrepressible commitment to seeing lost people come to Christ. Just bring him to Christ, and he will do the rest.
0: How about it? Will you move out of your comfort zone, taking risks to reach those who need Jesus in your life? You're listening to Leading the Way with pastor and author of more than 50 books, Dr. Michael Youssef. Well, that's it for today, but make it a point to join Dr. Youssef next time for a continuation of the series, Look Who Moved Out, on Leading the Way.